Hey, Lighthouse family, it's Matt with the tech team. I hope this message speaks. We need to pray. We need to, to fast. We need to pray. And some of the things that have been revealed in the last month and a half have been very, very powerful. There's a passage of Scripture in Ephesians 3. It, it says, um, in verse 20, it says that God will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think by the power that is within us. And that the Lord would receive all the glory and praise. But the Lord desires to do above all that we ask or even think according to this power within us, the power of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that, that um, uh, I've, I've come to recognize uh, is that what the Lord wants to do, not just in us personally or through us personally, but as the body of Christ, uh, especially in these last days, despite all the, the things that are going on, despite all the, um, the, the, the things of, of turmoil perhaps and, and uh, the darkness of this world, uh, the Lord has some amazing things yet to do. And um, this, the church, and I'm not talking about a building, I'm talking about the body of Christ. It's, it says in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. In this last little while, uh, there's been uh, this, this focus on being refined in a fire, and uh, that's never a comfortable thing. But the Lord desires for the things that don't belong in our life to be uh, melted off. Even as we are put in that fire, the Lord desires for there to be a, a, a change that takes place in us, a refining, a purifying to be made holy before the Lord. And um, that we would not resist that, that uh, refining and that purifying, but rather, Lord, let there be a work done within me. And the things that the Lord would have for the glorious church before he, before he returns, that we would be a glorious church. And uh, one of the things that uh, the glorious church would do or should do is take part in a harvest, a mighty harvest. And tonight, uh, even as we've been praying uh, on a regular basis, and also as we've added uh, a time of prayer uh, in the mornings, at uh, early in the morning at 6 o'clock, uh, there have been things that have been revealed at the different points of prayer and what the Lord would have happen with the harvest and the glorious church being that glorious church to take in a mighty harvest in these last days. Jesus said in John 4, verse 34, we read, 
My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? We always, uh, especially uh, f for farmers and, and uh, those that would take in a harvest, very, very uh, uh, deliberate about the tilling of the soil, very deliberate about the, the sowing of seed, very deliberate about um, the watering of the, of the seed. And um, there is this, this aspect of timing involved. And we just, well, hey, the harvest, hey, we've got another four months, another three months, another two months. But the Lord says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he's not, he's not talking about a physical harvest. He's talking about a spiritual harvest of souls. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. So the one that's sowing a seed and the, the one that's, that is harvesting, that there would be a rejoicing together. I don't know about you, but there's something about seeing somebody come to the Lord. Or there's something about there being a work done in a person's life. Like a simple thing of, hey, honey, where are my Sunday shoes? Right? What? Or the opportunity that we have to sow a seed in somebody's life. Or to be there to see that person come to know Christ. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That we would rejoice together. For in this the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. And so some, at this time, the Lord is saying, for those that may have, have labored in the, uh, the, the raising up of, of the harvest, the Lord is saying, I'm, I'm going to send you to reap that harvest. You, you maybe didn't do anything, but the Lord is saying that the harvest is ripe. The fields are ripe and that the harvest would come in, that you would have opportunity to bring in the harvest. So tonight, um, I'm gonna, I just want to speak on a few things that the Lord has really been uh, laying on my heart over the course of the last uh, month, month and a half plus. We've been uh, uh, taking time specifically to pray. And uh, one of the things is the harvest that is around us. We don't have to go too far. There is a huge harvest around us. It's not like we say, I have to go to the mission field. We are, we are in the mission field. And so the people that are around us, if you didn't know this, there's half a million people in our region. Half a million. It's, not a, it's a large area. It's not like there's many here. But there are half a million, and I would say 95% of those half million don't know the Lord. You say, Pastor, that much? I would say, yeah, that many people 
that most people in our area do not know the Lord. And the Lord is saying, the harvest is ripe. I, I think I mentioned, maybe I didn't mention to the whole group, but a few weeks ago, I uh, was with uh, somebody, with a few pastors from the city and, and uh, with an individual that was coming into the area to look into this area to see, is this, is this a place for there to be a harvest? So it was part of the Billy Graham Association. So they had met up with this individual, the grandson of Billy Graham, and uh, it wasn't Billy Graham's grandson that had come, but was it was a represent, representative of the organization just saying, hey, where, where, uh, where is there a ripeness for harvest? And as we were speaking, had mentioned about Niagara Falls in particular, I've mentioned this in the past, that the number of people that come to Niagara Falls on a yearly basis, this is according to uh, our mayor, there is around 12 to 14 million people that come every single year into this area just because of the Niagara Falls. And so they come and you see them. If you go during the summertime and you're driving along the, the parkway and you get closer to the falls, it's like things slow right down to a crawl. And you see they've extended the, the barrier or the area where they walk to take up an, another lane. So you're down to one lane each way because of the volume of the people that are coming. And... Uh, we're talking, if we spread 12 million people over 365 days, we're talking over 30,000 people extra in our city every day. 30,000. We know that we may not have them all coming during the, the cold winter months. But even if we, we put it into half of a year, We'd have 60,000 extra people coming every single day uh, over the course of, say, six months. 60,000 people extra. Our city is only 90,000. The question that this man asked, he says, so what are the churches doing to reach the people that are coming from other, wherever, from all over North America, but I, I would say from other countries around the globe. We don't even have to leave our country, our, our, our city. And we have this many people that are coming. What's, what, are, what is happening? What is being done? Zero. Nothing. They're coming by the millions. And it, and it hit me. We need the prayers that were being prayed at this point in time. Lord, let there be at least a quarter of the people of our region, let them come to know Christ. Let me, let me repeat the passage of Scripture, Ephesians 3, 20. It says that he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that we may ask or even think by the power that is within us. What the Lord wants to do 
when we, we look at the, the parable of the sower and the seed, we have four different grounds that are, are illustrated by the Lord. The hard ground, the stony ground, the thorny ground, and the good ground. Four different scenarios. And we see people that are, are hard. And it says that, that the seed is sown and it falls on that hard ground. And the, the fowls of the air, they come and they take that seed. And we see that with people oftentimes that are hard. There's a sowing of a seed and the fowls of the air. The demonic beings come and they steal the word away from those individuals. Talks about the stony ground. And I believe it's Matthew that says, because of the persecution that comes, the, the, the seed is sown in the stony ground and the plant comes up very quickly and because the, it doesn't have any or much root, it withers up and dies when the heat comes. The Lord, as he explains this parable, this aspect of it, he says that even the persecution that comes as a result of the word, the result of the word of God, there's a, there's a, a persecution that comes. This person says, you know what? Ah, I don't want to do this. And they wither up and die because of the word. And you have the seed that's sown in the thorny ground. You see this happening in people's lives. There's no fruit. And the fruit is being choked out. The plant is being choked out by the cares of this world. They're more concerned about the cares of this world, the, the, the cares that they have on a daily basis, and it chokes out. There's no fruit. Or there's uh, the deceitfulness of riches. If I only had a little bit more, I would make it. And they're, they're consumed by the things of riches And you don't have to be rich to be consumed by riches. I know a lot of godly people that have control of their, their wealth. I say, thank you, Lord. I, have, I, I know people that are, don't have very much, and that's, they say, if I just had a little bit more money, I'd be fine. And so that's what they seek after, and there's a choking out. There's no fruit in their life. No changes take place in their life because all they seek is to have a little bit more. If I could have a, little, a few more riches, and they chase after those things. Or the desire for pleasures. They live their lives around pleasure. And that's, that's their whole life. Their whole life is caught up with pleasure. Now, I'm not saying that, hey, I, I have no issue with... Uh, with taking a break or having rest or relaxation or, or going on a, a holiday or something. I don't have issue with that. But if that's what you live your life for, there's no fruit being choked out. But then there's that ground that is able to take the seed. I believe, the Lord says that the harvest is ripe. I believe that why not ask Lord, I'm, I'm asking. I'm asking for just a quarter 
of the 500,000 people that live in this region. You know what? We're talking 125,000 people. Tonight, Lord, that there would be a crying out, because I'll tell you right now, of those 125,000, guaranteed that probably there might be one or two or more that are just your family. That just are your family. Man, if I could have my family come to the Lord, this is what we're praying for, Lord. The harvest is ripe. Let us pray to the Lord of the harvest. It says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes... He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The problem isn't the harvest, that the harvest isn't ripe. We don't have to pray for a harvest. The harvest is already ripe. What we need to pray for is, Lord, that there would be the manpower willing, the laborers willing to, to share in the taking in of that harvest. Lord, let me, let me speak the good, the good news of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, let me share about Jesus with others, that they would come to know Jesus. When a person comes to know Jesus... It is a taking in of the harvest. Going from darkness into his marvelous light. Pray the Lord. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers in his harvest. That there would be laborers being sent out into the harvest. 12 to 14 million people a year. Lord, and this is what I'm praying now. Lord, we need to reach, Lord, even if we reach one quarter of the 12 million that come every year, that's 3 million people. And we don't even have to go to another country. We don't have to spend any money to go anywhere else, but we can reach them. Lord, how? So tonight, part of it is, Lord, that there would be revelation given as to how we can reach those individuals those 12 to 14 million people that would be coming to our city. It's interesting. I find it interesting that as revival begins and has begun, so we don't have to pray for revival anymore. Be, revival has begun already. To say, Lord, let's Give us the answers. Give us what we need to reach those people that are coming. How will it be done? Lord, how will it be done? Hallelujah. So we, we ask for the laborers. We can ask for the methods. We know that sharing the gospel, a person can't get saved unless they hear the gospel. They need to hear the gospel. How are they going to hear the gospel? How are they going to hear the gospel? How are they going to be drawn? 
Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means harm them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. It says that they went out. They went out, the Lord confirming with signs, with these signs, as they went out. We need to go out. Lord, how is it that you would have us go? What do we need to do? So tonight, that's where our prayer should lie. Lord, give us what we need to do. Give us a method of effectiveness, efficiency in taking in a harvest. I know that we need to go on the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will draw powerfully. It says in Revelations 5, 6, and 7, and I've, I've spoken on this, and this last, in the last number of weeks, I mentioned uh, with a few of our groups, there's three things, three F's that take out ministries. And I added a fourth one. To destroy ministry. Men of God. Fame. This is what I've done. Just look at what I've done. As there's a fame that may come. Second thing is the finances. I thank God for this church. I thank God for the books that are kept in this church to the penny, to the penny that things are not out, that there's not a fudging. Some of the things that I hear that ministries are doing, well, that's, hey, look at all this money coming in, finances. And so what's happening is there's a, a, a misappropriation of funds by those that are in ministry. I thank the Lord. That when it comes to the staff here at church, there's a salary. There's a salary given. And regardless of how much money is coming in to the church that allows us to do something, I have a salary. And this is one of the things that, that destroy ministries is the finances and a misappropriation of funds should not be. It's amazing that, that men of God are be getting rich. They're getting rich, and some of the, the funds that they have, that they're, they're using, they're, it's for themselves. Well, this, is what, this is mine. This belongs to me. No, no, no. This is the Lord's money. This is the Lord's money. And there's ministries fall and men fall. Men of God fall. 
Third thing is females. Sorry to say, women um, how many men of God have fallen because there's been a woman that has come into their life that is not their wife and there's been behavior that is unbecoming and destroys the ministry so I thank God for my wife. I mean, just say this. There's times where I've said, hey, sorry, uh, I, I'm not going to meet up with a woman by myself. Take my mother along with me. Take my wife along with me. So I will not meet with a woman alone. doesn't look... There's an appearance of evil. It's not appropriate. Question? So, there's, there's examples. So, the question is when it comes to, to I guess, to be alone, a, a, a man, to be alone with a woman that's not his wife. So, it, it, it talks about this in Ephesians. It says, to even abstain from the appearance of evil. You say, well, is that an evil thing if you're with, with a woman that's... You know what? There's temptations. This is what I'm saying. So even if it doesn't, even if there's not a temptation, there's still the, even the appearance of evil. I'm just, so we recognize this. We recognize it with Solomon. It was the women in his life that were not serving God that uh, caused him to fall. We read that in the end of of. Uh, regarding uh, Solomon, it grieves me that um, I don't know if Solomon made it, even though he wrote Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. I don't know if he made it. I pray to God that he made it, but it sounds like he didn't make it at the end. So, Having said that, I don't have issue. There's always, if there's another person around, uh, I don't want to put myself in that position. It has kept me in, in all the years, even before I was a, a pastor, and even now as a pastor, especially the reputation of ministry. My, my reputation and the reputation of the Lord, that, and I, I'll tell you, um, you, you, listen, men and women, you protect my reputation. 
as a, as a pastor, as a minister of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ in my ministry. So you can, you can protect me. And I appreciate, I, there's been times where I've, I've been here after service or whatever, and there's somebody here, a female or whatever, that people have hung around. Thank you for hanging around so that I'm not alone with a woman. So you, you protect me. So you say, pastors, even the appearance. It's amazing how, hey, I, I know of a number of pastors that have fallen in their ministry. Their ministry is finished because there was things happening outside of the marriage. It was like the ministry is done. They're done. Their ministry is gone. Anyways, um, the last uh, F in what I, this is what I'm, I've come to find is the word form. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And that it's specifically the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it says here. And I looked and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Jesus Christ and him crucified. So basically what I've, I, the Lord is, is revealing or has revealed in the last number of months is this, that there are those that are, are being seduced. They're being deceived by seducing spirits and giving over to doctrines of demons. I'll tell you, one of the biggest doctrines of demons is this. Let me tell you, this is even in Pentecostal churches. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or you're baptized in the Holy Spirit the moment you're saved. It's not true. You have the earnest, you have a portion of the Spirit when you're saved. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit when you're saved. But there is a difference between the baptism in the Holy Spirit and salvation. So one of the lies that has been purposed perpetrated by the enemy is that you have you are baptized in the Holy Spirit the moment you're saved that is not true it's not scriptural and you might say why because if you believe that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit when you're saved it's like I don't need to seek the baptism in the Holy Spirit so who is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit anybody it's Jesus Jesus is the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. So he said in Acts 1 verse 8, he says, you, you will receive power. You will be endued with power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts or to the end of the earth. The end of the age, end of the earth. That has to do, that word end has to do with geography and also chronology. Chronology, chronology, time. It's those both things. That word end has to do with geography or distance or right to the end of the earth ge geographically, but also chronologically. And so here's another lie of the enemy. You have entire denominations that would say that the baptism in the Holy Spirit ended 2,000 years ago with the apostles. It's not for today. 
That's a doctrine of demons. A seducing spirit that has taken over entire denominations. You might say, well, what's the importance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? To have the power of the Holy Spirit upon you to be witnesses unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Wherever you go, I'm going to be a witness of who Jesus Christ is right to the end of the age. And so what's happening is they have a form of godliness denying the power of God. And so basically, as they see the lamb, as though it had been slain, Jesus Christ and him crucified with no power, there's no power, and there's no illumination, there's no sight, there's no understanding, there's none of these things. The, the, the horns have been broken off and the eyes have been gouged out. That's the Jesus that we preach. That's the Jesus that we preach. That's a lie of the enemy. In fact, that's exactly what the enemy would want. The, the power of the Holy Spirit, no. No horns on Jesus, on that lamb. The eyes, the seven eyes taken out. And he says, then he came and, and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So the Lord took the scroll, and, and look what it says right after that. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and, his 20, and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and bo uh, golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. This aspect of us being kings and priests to minister in authority by the power that is flowing from Jesus Christ and Him crucified, the power of the Holy Spirit, and from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, this is what we're praying, Lord. This is what we want. This is what we need to fulfill Your mandate before You return. This is what we need to pray for. Hallelujah. Just I want to close with this final thought. Acts chapter 10 The Acts tenor. Let there be Acts 10 taking place. The Cornelius, I want to say, it's, let's call it the Cornelius. The, the Cornelius effect. I don't know, whatever. The Cornelius. You might say, what happened to Cornelius? Who was Cornelius? Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a good man, but he didn't know the Lord. Cornelius was a centurion, another centurion, and he desired the things of God. And Peter, for the first time, is speaking to a Gentile, and it says in Acts 10, verse 34, and Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, not even with the, the Gentiles. The Gentiles, they need to hear about Jesus. But in every nation, whoever fears him and who works righteousness is accepted by him. Whatever nation. 
The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. So this is what Peter is saying to Cornelius. You may say, who was with, with Cornelius? His entire family and all his servants. I can just imagine Peter preaching in a courtyard of Cornelius, who was a, probably a fairly wealthy man, and he's preaching Jesus Christ. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. There was an anointing on Jesus when he was baptized and the Holy Spirit came upon him. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him, with Jesus. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and of the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And at that point, there was a receiving by faith, Cornelius and those that were there, they, they, they heard this, 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 this aspect of the gospel. Through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Their sins will be taken care of. And they believed. They believed as they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while Peter was still speaking these words the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that's Peter and the, the five men that were with him, who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. And one day, Jesus Christ and him crucified was preached. The Holy Spirit was poured out and they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they were baptized in water all in one day. This is what I'm talking about. Lord, that there would be this happening. I, I had men, godly men, Christian men say to me, no, 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 we can't have all of those things in one day. We can't have a person saved and and then and, and, and we, we can't, we shouldn't be talking about the baptism and the Holy Spirit. Like, let them grab a hold of salvation first. Let's hold off. That's, that's not important. The baptism and the Holy Spirit. And so here, this is what my heart is, that there is salvation, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and baptism in water would take place in one day. And it says, they ask Peter to stay a few days. They ask him to stay a few days. So Peter spoke into their lives. We don't have much time for those thirty to 60,000 people that might show up on any given day or 
especially in the summertime here in Niagara Falls. Can you imagine if they went to the falls, they saw the water pouring down, and they said, you know what, we've heard that there is a move of God in Niagara Falls, and we want to check out this move of God. We're hearing that there are, are miracles being done. There are signs that are confirming the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're confirming, the, the Lord is confirming those things, and we need to go and check this out. And those that are sick, and those that are, are despondent, those that have no hope, those that are, are in turmoil, saying, we, we're, gonna, we're hearing about these things, that maybe God can do something. And as they come, and I'll tell you right now, this place would be too much too small to, to, to have 30,000 people come in one day, that they would hear the gospel, be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and be baptized in water on the same day. And that there would be teaching that, that would go with them and say, hey, you need, these are things, these are the basics that you need to have when you go back to your country, and that it would be told to your, your, your family in these countries, perhaps, where there is no way in for any missionaries, they're closed countries. Can you imagine them going back and saying, can I tell you what happened to me when I was in Niagara Falls? I got saved. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I got baptized in water. And I was shown and taught, this is what we want to pray for tonight. Lord, that this, these things would happen. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need wisdom. We need direction. We need personnel, laborers in the harvest. We need finances. We need to use whatever we can, the internet, whatever, tech, whatever, uh, that souls would be saved before his return. Lord, we need to work and operate in your power. One man in the power of the Holy Spirit preaches the gospel and 3,000 people are saved in one day. That there, would be, that there would be a tenfold of this happening or even more here in our, in our city because the people are coming. Lord, you work it out. You work it out. So I was told, I found out this morning, how much does it cost to rent a 5,000-seat facility? $30,000 minimum, up to $80,000, depending on what you need in it for one day rental. I'm thinking that building is empty, half, three-quarters, 75, 80, 90% of the year it's empty. There's buildings that are empty. Hey, that there would be people hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to pray. You say, is it possible? You better believe it's possible. Why? Because God said so. The word of God says that he would do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think by the power that is within us, the power of the Holy Spirit. So with that, if I could uh, have us take some time, just a few minutes, and let's pray for these things to come to, pla to, to pass. And so if I could have you very quickly get into groups, maybe four or five groups, and uh, actually one section over here that you guys can join together, I want you to start to pray.
for some of these things that have resonated with you in your group. Okay? Can you move, please, quick? And let's pray. Let's pray tonight before we leave. When we're all, when we're done, I want to pray in closing. Some of you, that if there's a larger group, uh, there's a few, there's four over here. Can we have you move in over here as well? Uh, guys in the back, if you'd come forward, just join in with this group and start to pray. Don't take a long time. Start to pray. Hey guys, it's Matt with the tech team. I hope the sermon blessed you today. Check out our other messages down below. Have a great day. God bless.